mindfulness mode. Be peaceful, be quiet, close your eyes and see what happens. Mindful Tribe, I'm excited today for the reason that I have a friend here and I'm, I'm calling her a friend because she just feels like such a good friend even though we haven't talked a lot of times. She was present when I learned to become a hypnotist during the training with Erica and I've talked about that lots of times and she helped us. She helped all of the students in the class and so I felt a connection and so that's why I'm so excited to talk to her today and I'll tell you a little bit about her right now. Uh, she's a consulting hypnotist who works with trauma survivors to help them heal, thrive, and enjoy their lives. And her longest recovery came as a result of the collapse of the Twin Towers back in September 11th, 2001. And that was a traumatic event for her. And then after that, she married a disabled combat veteran who was struggling to heal his own traumas. For years, she's been fascinated by the brain and the power of mindset. So it'll come as no surprise to you, Mindful Tribe, that, that she speaks on this topic and she will be delivering a presentation for the National Guild of Hypnotists this August called Hypnosis, the Bridge Between Neuroplasticity and Quantum Realities. So you can tell we have a lot to talk about. Her name is Jennifer Ibbotson Rodriguez. Jen, so great to have you on the show. Awesome to talk to you and to see your face again. Tell us, what does mindfulness mean to you? Oh, thank you for having me, Bruce. Mindfulness to me is presence of mind. It's the point of focus in any moment that we're in. That really is the point of focus. And I love how simple that is and straightforward and to the point. That's absolutely excellent. And, you know, we talk to so many people here, but I don't always get a chance to talk to other hypnotists. So, well, let's, let's talk about that. Let's talk about how you got into this field because, you know, I mentioned in the bio about September 11th, we'll be talking about that. Tell us when and how you got into the field of hypnosis. It's kind of a funny story. If if I can say so, mm -hmm. um, it's something that my little sister, like 20 years ago, almost 15 years ago, as, as a social worker, she suggested that I should get into hypnosis. She had tried it. She had some colleagues who were hypnotists and she brought it up to me. I wasn't ready. I didn't understand the power of the mind and I wasn't ready to hear that my mindset may be actually keeping me in the throes of what I was currently recovering from. Mm -hmm. And so I sort of put it aside. Fast forward to roughly 2017, mm -hmm. and I'm the caregiver of a disabled combat veteran who has, you know, of course, done all of her own healing. I'm fine. Done. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sitting in a doctor's office with my husband. And my husband has finally admitted to this doctor how very, very despondent he is in his life, how that there's just no hope, wow. how desperate he feels, lost and 
And the doctor really, I thought was listening. I really thought he got it for the first time, but he looked up at my husband and he just said, just need to find gratitude. Mm. Literally took his glasses off. Like he had some brilliant moment to Mm -hmm. share with us. And we, (laughs) we bristled up, right? We were like, no, he's been blown up in war. Yeah. He's had multiple surgeries. He's had friends kill themselves. He's had therapists kill themselves. He's gone bankrupt. He's, you know, you name it, this man has survived. And you can't just tell him to go be grateful and it's all going to make it better. Right. My mind, like I got angry. Yes. Internally. Because I had heard my whole life that my problems were my mindset. Right. And I would accept that. I would accept it was my fault that I was so broken, mm-hmm. right? But I wouldn't let them say that about my husband. So I decided in that moment <laughs> to study the brain okay. and to find out what the belief we know about, you know, why it's all in our heads, right? And that's how I found Erica Flint. That's how I found hypnotic training. And that's how I saved my life. <laughs> that's yeah. how my husband, um, is a different man today wow. because he's grateful. I found gratitude. <laughs> he found gratitude. We found the gift of living. Wow, that's beautiful. Can you tell us a little bit of the story of 9-11 that you went through? It's interesting. As I was preparing for your interview, Bruce, I realized my experience with mindfulness began that day. My truest experience with mindfulness due to the fact that I found the underbelly of mindfulness. I found obsessive thinking, right? Such straightforward focus that this day that I'm about, that I could like literally detail every single aspect of the day to you if we had the time. Mm -hmm. Because my focus was so stuck on it, I couldn't leave it for 18 years. It took me 18 years to heal, Wow! right? and there's a metaphor embedded in that, that the train station that I was stopped at when the plane struck the building above my head took 18 years to reopen. And the metaphor of that day of, of being at Cortland Street when the plane struck, seventh day living in the city, just not knowing anything, not knowing, not knowing anybody, no, no ground to call stable. Seven days living in New York City. Seven days. You you moved there. You'd lived there for seven days, and then you were on the subway. And how many times had you been on the subway? So it was, you know, I'd been to New York many times. I'd studied there uh, in my youth for mm-hmm. a, a summer. Um, I'd visited all summer before moving there on September 4th. Um, but I, it was my second Tuesday uh, on the subway going to work. Mm-hmm. So uh, that morning I was running late. I had watched the home opener football game the night before of the Denver Broncos beating <laughs> the, the Giants. And um, so I was late and I decided I didn't want to stand on the express train. Wasn't going to just stand and sardine myself to get to work on time. You know, I was like, eh, I'll be a little late. It's okay. My team won. I can, I can gloat, right? And so with this sort of sense of freedom, I stayed on the local train, which I didn't know would stop at 
the towers that day. And I didn't know, of course, that the towers would be struck and I had no idea, but because of this one change in my normal behavior that day of feeling lazy and self-entitled, really what happened on that day is that traumatic event emotionally charged that it was my fault, that I wouldn't have been there if I weren't so selfish and spoiled. And so truly what, what the miracle of hypnosis has taught me about trauma is it's not the external events that we need to heal from. It's the internal thoughts and beliefs that we carry with us about ourselves and our place in the world. Um, so yeah, it was a fluke that I ended up under the towers that day as the plane struck. I probably would have still had to walk out of the city, but it wouldn't have held the same emotional charge for me. I would have still lived downwind from the towers that burnt for the next hundred days, but it wouldn't have held the same emotional meaning of, oh my God, I almost died, mm -hmm. right? As I watched the news. Right. Hmm. Wow. Sorry. Wow. It's still, right? Like that's, so what is mindfulness? It's the it, hypnosis. It's, it's um, extreme mindfulness because it is the, direct focus to the exclusion of all else, including pain, right? Including all realities. <laughs> it's really something because I haven't heard your story before about this. And, and, you know, it must have been just so surreal to go through this experience. Well, like in the moment, I didn't know what was going on. And I think that's the point of trauma. In the moment, you don't really know you know, it's horrible and you know, it's scary. Like if I went through it, you know, I'd be in tears. I would mm -hmm. be shaking, telling you the reliving the fear of it all. Mm -hmm. But what happens is in the moment, your brain goes into mindfulness actually of what do I do right here, right now? How do I survive? What's going on? What's the next step, right? And actually trauma is an extreme mindful moment because you can't be living in the past. You can't be fearful. Like you're in that exact moment of survival. Mm -hmm. But the problem is you never get out of it. Never get out of it. Right? It becomes this loop. It becomes a loop that you just keep mindfully holding on to until you learn how to use your brain for its best good and you learn how to focus differently. And, and how do you think this event helped you become the person to help so many other trauma victims? I love that question. Thank you. I personally, you know, I've, I've heard it said, I think Gloria Steinem might have been the first, but I really believe the final stage of healing is helping others heal. And harmoniously wrapped up within that, is the best way to internalize something is to teach it to others. Really the way we met, right? Mm -hmm. I wanted to internalize my training better. So I wanted to help teach, right? So I would assist and be there to remind myself of the foundations, be mindful of the foundations. And I think that event and having to heal from it helped me recognize and accept truly the power of the brain and the power of the here and the now. I'm so curious about the work you do when you help 
the new hypnotist in Erica's class, how do you find that therapeutic for yourself? Or how do you find that helpful for yourself? In the very beginning, I didn't have the confidence in myself that I needed to be the hypnotist that I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. And so the very first time I volunteered, I really thought it was my way of cheating, taking the class again. Mm -hmm. And when it did, was it helped me see visually through abstraction the baby hypnotist to the graduate hypnotist and what it takes from that point and it suddenly was like i got it right like i got it and it was such a beautiful moment and the connections that i made in that very first class i was like i picked up a couple clients i had like all of a sudden it all made sense right yeah and that joy made it almost an addictive choice so i kept doing it right mm -hmm. and i was like oh i'll do that again and i'll do that again until it just didn't make sense to keep going back yeah i personally believe that what hypnosis allows us to do is to heal the past so that we can actively connect with our future self and in that balance we get to truly live in the now comfortably and confidently with with who we are we're ever blooming yes. forward like a rose yeah right from the center just ever blooming I, every day in every way we get better and better i like that analogy that's great you have a podcast called hypnosis demystified and it's a four episode show that explains hypnosis in a very clear way. Tell me what you learned by putting that together. Oh, I learned how difficult it is to do a podcast in my <laughs> hat a million times off to you, sir. You do an amazing job for you to have this podcast running as successfully and as long as you have is just a testament to who you are and what you do. And the fact that you also do hypnosis just is so impressive to me. So what I will say is what the podcast helped me to do was to formulate my thoughts so much better. I'm a writer. I'm a talker. I love to communicate. I love to tell stories. I think that's what makes me a good hypnotist is my ability to tell a story, right? To take you through the thread of the meaning. And so what that podcast did for me was really help me formulate the beginning of everything that I do. Well, I love your stories and I'd love to hear the story about how you met your husband and how you knew that there was just this powerful connection. God told me, swear, God has spoken to me twice in my life. It was once on 9-11 when he said, I didn't tell you to get off the train, get back on. Cause there was a moment where when the tower, like anyway, it's a long story, but I, I ended up not getting, um, I wasn't there when the people were jumping and I never, I don't think I could have handled that survival skill. So I'll, God blessed me and he said, get back on the train. And I was the last, it was the last train before the towers started flooding underneath. Wow. Um, but the second time God spoke to me, I was a retail employee at a bed store and a broken, sad, gentleman came in telling me about his pains and where they came from. And it turned out he was a soldier who had 
been blown up in Iraq and was trying desperately anything to do to feel better. And we spent about an hour and a half because it was my decision. Uh, I showed him everything in this store as I talked to him and I got to know him, right? It was immediately like I just, I knew he needed me, right? Yeah. And then God started talking to me throughout this process because I just, I couldn't, I couldn't let him go. It wasn't an, an attraction or an, uh, it was just like, I needed him to know what he needed. Like I knew I had his solution. Right. So at the very end, an hour after closing the retail store and just still helping him, right? <laughs> wow. He finally buys his pillow. <laughs> <laughs> and I said to him, I never do this. I never, ever, ever do this. And I hope you will forgive me, but I think I know more that you might benefit from. May I please give you my phone number? <laughs> and the rest, as they say, is history. We were married four months later. I just celebrated 10 years as his wife. And, um, you know, we survive together day by day. Well, you sure do tell an amazing story. Wow, what a story that is. <laughs> that is incredible. And uh, you're still helping people with the experience and with your stories and with your hypnosis and your website, Hypnosis Haven. And I, I'm fascinated <laughs> with that, hypnosishaven.com. Mindful Tribe, check it out, hypnosishaven.com. Tell us how the word haven became part of your your business when i was very young about six or seven my father took me to a beach it was his family beach right like his family had a cottage on the shore it wasn't like private beach or anything it was just where his family always went mm -hmm. anyway my very first day walking up to the beach there was a sign and i pointed to my daddy feeling so proud and i said daddy they misspelled their sign they, they left the E out of heaven. Wow. And he said, no, honey, that's haven. That's beach. We're at beach haven. And I said, what's haven? What does that mean? And he said, well, it's just like heaven, but without any judgment. Wow. And it stuck. Wow. So haven is heaven without any judgment. Wow. <laughs> Speaking of no judgment, tell us a story about someone that you helped. I know that with, with client confidentiality, we all have to be very careful with this, but is there a story you can share with us here at on mindfulness mode about someone that you've been able to help through trauma or anxiety or stress? It's interesting um, because of your personal focus in bullying, I had sort of, been thinking about my clients from that standpoint, like mm -hmm. who, and what I recognized is the clients that I really are helping are bullied internally by their families, right? And they grow up believing, unfortunately, what the bullies tell them because they're their parents or their guardians of some sort rather than what the potential of their internal selves can be. And so I've really been thinking about this one particular client that 
the love of his father is the reason that he cannot or could not, I should say, accept himself in any way, shape or form. Nothing about himself could ever be enough. Nothing about himself could ever be acceptable. And so he ended up bullying himself and his family and, and it made him rageful, right? Mm-hmm. Made him angry all the time at everything. That's all that could be seen. And to take somebody from that space of constant internal, whether they'd spoken to their father in 25 or 30 years, by the time they got to me, it was just constant. The recorder wouldn't stop the, the tape, the loop. Mm-hmm. And he was repeating it with his children, with his family. It had cost him his marriage. And he really didn't see how he would ever get past it. It it, it was ruining his professional mobility. People considered him angry and unreliable. In six weeks, I love that what we do doesn't take six years, right? Isn't that great that it's so quick? Yes. We were able to identify the emotional charge of the root clarify, repurpose the meaning of what his personal purpose through connecting with his future self really was. It wasn't to continue the past of who his dad had been. And in all honesty, it was who his grandfather had raised his dad to be, right? This generational trauma that we get to clarify for our clients and stop. Oh, beautiful. What a story. Wow, that's incredible. That is so anyway, he got a promotion. He's got a great new girlfriend. His kids are loving him. You know, the happy ending. (laughs) Doesn't that feel wonderful, Jan? It does. It does. I rarely work with men. I'm going to admit that since we're on the podcast, normally I do it by referral only. This gentleman did come by referral. Mm -hmm. Um, My focus tends to be women. And is it almost always women who have experienced trauma? Is, is, is the trauma the common denominator? Actually, in all clients, I'm going to say trauma is the common denominator. Whether they have identified the trauma mm-hmm. or defined it as trauma. In our society, we only consider the big, bad, icky things like terrorist attacks or school shootings or other personal violations there are accumulative traumas throughout our lives that can rob our connection with our greatest potential and essentially anything see i i i used to shy away from using the word trauma bruce because in some it will keep them from seeking help because they think they don't deserve it because they don't have something that qualifies right oh well i never had anything traumatic yeah exactly yeah no i hear you like for some people it's just you know something that happened in the locker room when they were in sixth grade you know and that was their trauma because what they told themselves in the moment right exactly it isn't necessarily the external details and i think that's where a lot of people in judging themselves and in getting therapy from traditional sources get confused. It's not about the external details. Mm -hmm. As you know, in our work, when we go back and we clarify what the root is, 
it's what are you thinking? What are you feeling? What did that, what was the scar? What are the thoughts? What are the beliefs? What is that thread, right? I don't want to know all of the demons that are popping out of the dark. I want to know what are you thinking about it? What are you believing about it? Let's deal with that. And it's fantastic for trauma survivors because of the fact that when you've had something huge and then you have to go back and re-experience it too much on a couch with somebody who just wants to pick through the details and tell you what you should think about it and how you shouldn't feel the way you do. Because you're not broken. You're fine. Right. Yeah, that's our society. Well, they may not be thinking they're broken. They may be thinking they were, you know, something else. Exactly. And so perception of trauma is very limiting to people's healing sure is my opinion yeah it sure is jen you're currently writing a book tell us about your book tell us about the goal of the book and how this came about the goal of the book is to help people who feel like the sky is falling down around them to know why and to know how to heal because there are some real aspects of the brain that just are wired for you to feel that way as part of your survival and it's backfiring in our society at this point it's going to be the demise of our society right our survival skills are killing us yes which is the need for mindfulness it truly is i think that's why i've kept going two episodes a week 750 some episodes and i just keep wanting to share the word and keep wanting to you know promote this idea that hey this is for everyone this is for all of us this is for all of humanity it truly is i believe personally bruce there's a responsibility that we as people in the mindfulness community might need to start mentioning to others in the mindfulness community i think i think a lot of us are talking too aspirational for the people who need it I think we need to follow Mary Poppins advice and start at the very beginning Mm -hmm. and remember that most of us weren't raised to be still, to be quiet, to be present. The thought of meditation is impossible for most in the beginning. In the beginning, it really is. If they can understand the underbelly of mindfulness, that it is that constant, constant worry as well it's the same thing if you can worry (laughs) well you you can let it go (laughs) you just have to learn (laughs) so jen what's i was just gonna say what's the first step if someone's listening right now and they're thinking you know i've lived with this anxiety or this situation for so long that's pulling me down this woman jen just sounds like someone is so approachable and so knowledgeable i know that your website is hypnosishaven.com but what's the first step if someone was just listening right this second and was like i just need to take action what do they do recognize they're not alone and that there is a solution if if i feel like if they feel a resonance to me personally then let's get on a call. Let's do a a consultation. I offer free consultations, complimentary every single day to anybody who's interested to find out how you can harness your brain for your greatest good and to make a habit out of living the life you want to live. 
So call me, write me, text me. <laughs> and I would be so excited, Mindful Tribe, if you did, because I would just feel as though I had the tiniest little bit to do with that relationship where you found someone like Jen to talk to, to get help from. And believe me, I know that this is one of the, one of the fastest ways to make huge changes in your life. One of the fastest and most effective ways it really is. As we move forward in the interview, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. And the first one is this. Who is one person who has been a powerful influence in your life in the area of mindfulness? Uh, my father. He handed me the book, The Way of the Peaceful Warrior in the, in the 90s, like 91 or 92. Mm -hmm. And from that point on, we always said, what time is it now? Where are you here? And that just sort of established that, that start point. Oh, that's beautiful. Let's talk about emotions and how the ways that you deal with your own emotions have changed as a result of mindfulness. Mm, that lack of judgment, right? Like an, an emotion comes and an emotion goes. Like the breath, there is no start and there is no end. It is cyclical and it is cyclical. And whatever I'm feeling, in the moment is the gift of life right i know what numb feels like and i think it's as close to death as we can get mm -hmm. so whatever feeling i'm blessed with in the moment i accept it for the wisdom that it is sharing wow well put Tell us about breathing and how that's important in your life and maybe how things have changed as to how you've looked at breathing as a tool. Again, I was very fortunate very early to learn Buddha belly breathing, mm -hmm. but I was confused in the beginning. I thought that's how we were supposed to breathe all the time, all the time. <laughs> so, but it, it wasn't something I, would, I was able to do all the time. And as trauma overtook my body, I learned that, you know, breathing became shallower and shallower. So trauma responsive breathing doesn't allow for the holding of the breath because that actually increases adrenaline. So the way that I choose to breathe when I need to breathe out trauma and breathe in peace happens when I release my jaw. I exhale first and foremost, because the body can always exhale even when it can't inhale. And then after the inhale, I exhale for as twice as long as the inhale. So it always starts with an exhale, whatever the inhale is to the belly, and then exhale twice as long. That's my, that's my breathing technique. Always start with the exhale. Very interesting. Very interesting. Oh, books. Is there a book that you would recommend that can help with mindfulness? This is the most powerful book on mindfulness I think I've ever been given. I love it. It's not technically about mindfulness because it's about the thoughts in the mind. So I guess mindfulness right now, the two that I'm reading would be um, Buddha's Brain and You Are the Placebo. I cannot recommend these two books enough. Right. And for those of you who are not seeing this, the other book that you held up, tell us the name of that and the author. Oh, 
Oh, forgive me. I just assumed this. No, that's okay. <laughs> the Hidden Messages of Water by Masaru Emoto. And it is scientific magic, y'all. Get it if you don't know it. And I haven't read that one, The Hidden Messages of Water. And so I want to read that. You have to. Bruce, The Hidden Messages of Water by Masaru Emoto. I probably have slaughtered this Japanese name. Forgive me. He's a scientist. It's full of pictures, though. This is all about the power of thinking and your words and the magic that it's already proven in science. I really enjoy reading about scientists, reading books by scientists, interviewing scientists. I'm going to enjoy reading that book. I've heard a lot about it, but I've just never read it before. So thanks for mentioning it on the show here. You're so welcome. Thank you for letting me. Yeah, no, my pleasure. Any apps that you that you use yourself that I'm are helpful? Really an no, no I'm so old school. I don't even like that I'm on social media. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. I understand that completely. And, uh, you know, sometimes I agree with my guests very much when they say sometimes that the best app is turning off your phone or getting rid of your phone and just going out into nature or getting exercise and breathing and all those Take kinds of things. shoes off, yeah. touching the ground. Touch the earth. Yeah. Yes, get grounded. Absolutely. Well, I would really love to hear some words of advice for you just as we wrap up. What is a wise word of advice that you have for someone who might be listening and feeling as though they'd like to have mindfulness as a, a deeper and more meaningful part of their life. I'm, I'm typically the one that seeks the insight from the subconscious of my clients. And I tend to hold off on trying to share, you know, words of wisdom. Um, Yoda comes to mind and it's simply do or do not, there is no try. Yes. Right. So like when it comes to mindfulness, it isn't about trying, right? You don't have to try hard. You just simply do it. Be peaceful, be quiet, close your eyes and see what happens. Accept progress. <laughs> Those are great words of advice. They really are, Jen. And it's been wonderful having you on the show. I'm so excited to share this out with my followers, with everybody who listens, Mindful Tribe, with all of you. It's just been really great to have you here. And I want to thank you so much, Hypnosis Haven. Jen, it's been a, a true pleasure. Thank you for being on the show today. Oh, it was my joy. Thank you. All the best to you. Bye now. Goodbye. Enjoy your day. I will. Now it's your chance. Mindful Tribe, maybe you have been experiencing a lot of anxiety. Maybe you have a habit that you just have not been able to shake. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe you've got something in your life that doesn't sit well and you're just at that, that point in your life where you're feeling I need to make a change, I want to make a change, what is the first step? 
Well, the first step is to connect with Jen. If you resonate with Jen, it's hypnosishaven.com and you can connect with her and set up a time. She mentioned that she does free sessions. If you resonate with me, send me an email, bruce at mindfulnessmode.com and we will jump on a Zoom call as well. So we will make this happen. We will talk about how your life can change and quickly because hypnosis is something that works very quickly to make those changes in your life. So jump on a call with Jen or jump on a call with me and take action. So with that, take what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.